Bases loaded. Two out. Hard hit into right. Back at the wall. Tie game! Big Poppy! The Grand Slam! This is our fucking city. Hey, Jerry. Tom, how you doing? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Uh, nice game one today, Julian Zavaris. <laughs> I, just, I just fell off the table, that's why I'm laughing. It hasn't happened at Fenway Park for 95 years. The Red Sox are world champions. going on welcome back it's a brand new episode of the obstructed view red sox podcast brought to you by beyond the monster and on this episode we chat with portland sea dogs outfielder Corey rogier who is off to a hot start with the sea dogs he was named the april base stealer of the month by the organization he talks about that he talks about his time in portland the trade from the padres and more Not too bad. How about yourself? I'm good. Uh, just got out, got a nice little shower and ate a little breakfast. Yeah, we were, uh, me and Chris have been been covering the Woo Sox this year. So we've been around those guys a ton. And it's kind of funny listening to uh, Chad Tracy, the manager in Worcester. He was kind of talking about when you guys play day games compared to night games. He's like, yeah, they got to start getting up at like 7, 8 o'clock for those 1 o'clock. 12 o'clock starts and kind of sitting there. I was like, wow, I guess you're right. Like, I guess uh, you guys don't really have to be up that early when you guys play at six, seven o'clock every night. So yeah, we usually sleep in a little more on those, uh, on those night games. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a rhythm and I, I get it, but, but thank you for, uh, for hopping on. Um, we, you know, we're not going to take, take too much of your time, but we definitely appreciate um, coming on. I know we just wanted to, you know, chat with you as well since you're, you know, pretty new to the organization so how has the uh you know first full year starting first full year in double a now you're in portland now so um how has the transition been going for you um i I think it's been pretty smooth man um with the whole trade last year um we didn't really expect them to you know try to push me up to double a between a new org and um you know trying to jump a level two so we were we were cool with that and then this year, you know, went out and had a really good spring, had a really good off season, you know, gained muscle, um, got bigger, faster, stronger, and really uh, worked on my swing and uh, started to hone my craft. And so uh, once once I released the rosters and I saw that I was, you know, coming to Portland, I was it was awesome to know that I earned that. But um, I'd say the the biggest difference here is just the uh, the consistency. I think you know, in high there's you know obviously still really good talent, but here, I feel like, you know, pitchers are more honed to what they're trying to do and um, have a better idea of how they're going to try and attack and are more around the zone. And um, I, I this might be one off, too. I, I meant to ask this one first, but how how are you liking Portland, like the city as a whole? Like, It's, uh, it's honestly cool, man. It's, you know, a different vibe than, you know, other places I've been. Um, has that super, like, family feel like anytime the fans are interacting with you you know they're uh 
they're always super supportive, even if, you know, you're not playing great that day. And it's really cool to, you know, have the city behind you. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm I'm a little biased. I, I think Portland is, I think if you compared all of, obviously you didn't get to, um, well, you experienced Greenville, but you didn't go to Salem. Um, I think bias, I think Portland might be the best, the best, um, I guess, city surrounding the ballpark. I mean, Worcester, we love Worcester and the ballpark obviously is pristine. It's brand new and um, they just got voted, I think, number what was it, Chris? Number one in the entire country for Triple yeah. A. Oh, wow. So, uh, I mean, it, it's it's a great ballpark, but something about Portland, man. It's it's just like the you know being right there on the water, and just uh, you got you know some of the beaches around, and um, I don't know. It's like that small town feel, but it's like not too small. I don't know how to explain it, but I, I'm no, pretty I, biased on Portland. I'm right there with you, man. And uh, once I experience Worcester, I'll have to kind of give you another. We'll have to get back together and get a second opinion on it. But, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Greenville's a cool city. There's a lot to do, but it didn't have that same feel that Portland has. So, Yeah, I, I've i never been, like, in – I've been to a game in Portland, but now that we've been behind the scenes a little bit in Worcester and kind of seeing the clubhouse and everything, and um, I was chatting with the guy on uh, the other team. He was playing for Lehigh Valley. Um, and I was kind of asking him, I'm like, Hey, non-biased, like, let me know like how everything is, the facility and all that. And he was telling me it's pretty top notch. It's as close as he can get to the MLB. He was playing with the Phillies last year on the major league roster. So, uh, but yeah, no, it's great that you like Portland and, um, you're, you're also a great start this year. Um, what kind of, uh, things have you been, I mean, obviously you've, um, I, I had double takes. I was like, he's already got 22 stolen bases. Already here, so I know like speed is your thing, but what kind of uh things have you been working on so far this year in Portland? Yeah, man. Um, so pretty much ending last year, I knew there was something that you know had to kind of be not necessarily changed, but just more refined. So, um, I got with a hitting coach, and usually with people who hit lefty and throw right, their bottom hand gets very dominant, which was the case for me. So, I'd be I mean, I have quick hands, but I'd always be in and out of the zone. So I'd either kind of clip a ball or uh, beat it straight into the ground. That was the only way. And to do that, you have to be pretty much perfect with your timing. So I just think strengthening my top hand and then um, I already had a pretty good idea of the strike zone. So uh, adding that with it, I think it's uh, it's been a really good change. And um, that's why I've seen a lot of the early success that I've had this year. So, Craig, I just want to pay back on Andrew's question about the cities. What has been your favorite minor league stadium to play in and favorite minor league city to visit so far in your career? Ooh. So, uh, before I came over to the Sox, I uh, started the year in Fort Wayne with uh, the Padres. And that place, I can't lie, was probably one of the cooler ones that I've experienced. Um, Same thing with that, like – small city kind of feel but man did they pull crowds really well man and they were always super electric and into it so that was a really fun place to play um don't know if i could say if that's the top one though man dang <laughs> it's tough i i, I gotta yeah. go for win gotta go for win yeah i drove i went to school my freshman year in kansas i drove from boston to kansas so i drove through fort wayne for a little bit i didn't get to catch a game but that's one thing I wanted to do during that. 
Yeah, man. It's if you ever get to, you'll you'll really enjoy it. They do a good job. So yeah. Also, I was wondering what was the transition like? You know, going from the Padres system to the Red Sox system, and just all of that after the training game used to a new organization. Yeah. Um, so obviously, in the middle middle of the year, getting traded was uh, pretty wild. I uh, packed my car and drove nine hours in a day. That was very interesting. I actually don't know if you guys have heard this yet, but I found out about the trade through Instagram. Really? Yeah, I was. uh, So uh, they had already made like a bigger trade earlier in the or the day before with the Juan Soto thing. So I was kind of sitting in the locker room, getting ready for the game, reading up on that. Then out of nowhere, one of those uh, like fan pages or whatever comments on one of my pictures and says, "Welcome to Boston." So I'm looking at it like. Oh, that's that's interesting. And then a uh, couple couple minutes later, the manager came in and uh, pulled me into the office and said, "Yeah, it's uh, it's true because he obviously saw us talking about it." But um, yeah, so that was that was really what's the word eye opening, I guess you could say. And um, yeah, man, I think anytime you know you're comfortable somewhere and then going to a new place and. Uh, you know, trying to learn the staff and kind of learning what the organization is about can be tough and challenging. Um, there's a lot of people in the org who, you know, were super welcoming. You know, if I needed anything, never hesitate to ask. So that was really useful and helpful in uh, starting to get acclimated. But um, I think being able to go through spring training with the Sox was what really, you know, kind of got me comfortable and, you know, prepared for a good season. Just because, you know, learning who's exactly making the calls and, you know, who's kind of not necessarily pulling the strings, but is the head of the ship and, you know, what comes down from the top. And, then, you know, getting comfortable with that, I think, is what's really played a role in the success of that. Yeah. Were there any veterans in spring training who kind of went out of their way or kind of anyone who stood out in terms of welcoming you and just helping you get adjusted to the new team? Uh, so I was actually fortunate enough to get to face Chris Sale on on one of our off days in spring training. So uh, that was really cool. He, uh, I think I got four or five at bats, didn't put a single ball in play. <laughs> but uh, no, afterwards he was he was super cool about it. You know, just asking me different questions, getting to know me a little bit, hanging out, and uh, it was really cool to you know see a guy who's you know obviously huge name, one of the best lefties probably ever. To, you know, get to sit down and talk with him for a few minutes, man. That was really cool to experience. Yeah. So, I cannot imagine having to step in the batter's box and having him be on the mound with that glare. <laughs> yeah. Back yeah. Certainly not fun left on left. So I wanted to, um, you, we were talking a little bit earlier about your speed. Uh, you were the base dealer of the month for the, for the month of April. Um, I guess my first like first question would be is like what's that honor like you know considering that that was voted on between the organization of all you know all levels and you know what I mean I mean David Hamilton at Triple A is is letting it up when he's on the base paths as well um, but what was that you know like just to hear that you know the peers and your you know, the coaches rather voted you um, you know for that honor Yeah man it's uh it's always cool to be recognized obviously um like you said, you know, it's no secret speed is part of my game. And I think knowing that my speed can change the course of a game at any time, it uh, it's something that's always a weapon. You know, even if, you know, I'm not feeling great with the swing, 
the speed is always going to be there. So if I can find ways to get on base, you know, there's always a chance to, you know, change a game. I mean, I can already think of a few times this year where, you know, we're down maybe a couple runs. I get on with, you know, either infield hit or a single or whatever, steal second. The next thing you know, we score three or four or five, pop it off just like that. So knowing that, you know, we have that versatility in our lineup, you know, basically one through nine, it's, uh, I think that really, you know, shows why we're having success as, you know, not only individuals, but as a team. Um, speed, man, it wreaks havoc. I mean, the, in the back of the infielder's mind, they know that they have to, you know, field the ball clean, make a good throw, or and even then, still sometimes, you know, we have guys that will beat those plays. So, really cool, really fun team to play on. Yeah, we were in, uh, I want to say it was April, uh, Hamilton walked, and there was an infield, a ground ball in the infield. He ended up at third base. I've never seen that before. I've never seen anybody on an <laughs> infield grounder go from first to third. And it's kind of a testament too, because like the Red Sox were never really known for having players within the organization that had speed, like like some of you guys have. It's never really been this style of the team's game, and it's it's shifted obviously in the last couple of years with with. Um, you know, Heim Bloom and, you know, kind of like their focus on how they're trying to balance out the entire, you know, organization. Um, I want to ask you really quick, too, because speaking of like the Sea Dogs, you guys having a great year. Uh, Drohan just got called up to Worcester. What was it like just kind of being around him on a regular basis, seeing him, you know, just he's he dominated at, at that level. Um, we got to chat with him. He, you know, quiet kid. You know what I mean? Like he seems, you know. Uh, get to know him a little bit more, but what was like your impressions of Drohan and what do you think he'll be able to do at the AAA level over the course of this year? Yeah. Um, Joe was, he was a, a really cool guy to be around. Um, fun guy to play behind. I'll say as a defender, uh, he worked, worked super quick and, uh, filled up the strike zone. So anytime that's happening, you know, it keeps all the fielders engaged. Obviously, you know, sometimes everyone knows nobody's trying to walk anyone, but when it does happen, um, feel like sometimes, you know, you get a little more relaxed, the shoulders kind of drop and you're not as locked in. And then that's when I feel like they start sneaking more hits in there. So uh, it's really fun to play behind, you know, a pitcher that does that. And um, obviously, you know, his his routine and his, his work was uh, very apparent. You know, you could see that he worked hard and really cared about, you know, his craft. So it was cool to see him. And uh, everyone was pumped for him when he when he got the call to Triple A. So I think he'll I think he'll go up there and keep on, you know, doing the same thing. It's uh, just a matter of him trusting his stuff and keeping the day in and day out grind, man. Yeah. So speaking of uh, of teammates and former teammates, um, you got a college teammate that's in the Red Sox org as well, Hoppy. Um, I've been hearing a little bit of uh, chatter about him. I know he throws pretty hard. He's down in Greenville right now. Um, But I feel like a lot of people don't know too much about him. Obviously, he was just drafted and uh, 2022, but six round pick. So, um, what's, what's like your, do you have a scouting report on the guy? (laughs) Um, so I, I played one year with Hoppy and, uh, that was at UNCG. I got to face him, I think two or three times. And I think I, I got one little hit off of him, but, uh, everybody always talks about the slider, man. I mean, he's got that big fastball. That's really hard, but he throws that slider off of it. That's still, pretty hard for a slider i think he usually runs i don't know what he's been this year but he usually runs it around 89 90 maybe even 91 and it looks the exact same coming out of his hand as the fastball so that gives a lot of hitters 
especially right-handed hitters fits. Um, great kid, um, works super hard, you know, stays to himself, is kind of quiet, but um, no secret that he, you know, works hard and gets after it. So hopefully we'll uh, see him up here pretty soon. And I actually, uh, Luis Guerrero was my college teammate as well. I played at Chipola before UNC Greensboro. Oh, wow. I've heard that name come up a bit as well. Um, we're uh, in Worcester. There's a guy that uh, he works a lot with the Sox Prospects uh, website, and he's always talking about all the up-and-comers, and I feel like I've heard that one a ton. But when I saw there was two UNC Greensboro guys, um, and I saw you guys were on the team for the, uh, for a year, I'm like, they definitely probably know each other. So Yeah, um, for sure. <laughs> I figured I'd have to ask, but... Um, I guess along the lines of teammates as well, and I know you kind of were, were uh, touching on it with, with Drohan, um, there was also a, a no-hitter. Um, I know it was a doubleheader. It was CJ's no-hitter, I guess, what, maybe a week or two ago? Um, yeah, I think we were in Akron for that, I believe. Okay. I feel like a lot of these guys that are in double-A, like even um, I, I know Grant Gambrell is, pitching well too now um is it you kind of talked about it it's, it's easy and it's fun to play behind but like i feel like right now in worcester we're seeing like a different story where the pitching kind of struggling a little bit and i kind of want to get your input it's like how is it like behind a pitching staff that you know can get out and you know that like you said it's like they work quickly and i feel like sometimes in worcester we're seeing long innings so what's the difference of mentality in like an outfielder yeah, um, I think it's a two-way street, honestly, man. Um, our our pitching has a lot of faith in our defenders. You know, you look at our outfield, man, pretty much any time, we have three center fielders that are all out there at any time. So guys aren't afraid to, you know, kind of go in the zone, knowing that I have probably one of the best possible defensive teams behind me. And uh, even on the infield, too, man, um, a lot of guys who, you know, work really hard on it and take pride in, you know, going and taking runs away. So then when that happens, you know, pitchers are, you know, more comfortable getting in the zone and filling it up, knowing that, you know, I have guys behind me that are that are going to make those plays. And um, something that we've really been uh, talking about with this team, we do like uh, leadership meetings. And something we've been talking about is kind of the the feel and the vibe of the clubhouse. There's no like Obviously, there's a lot of talent around, but there's no real, like, egos. Nobody's, you know, really trying to put anyone down or thinking they're above anyone. And everyone's just kind of playing for each other. And we enjoy – we really enjoy being around each other, I feel like. Um, you know, guys will just go sit in the clubhouse, just have conversations, man, talk about life, not even not even just baseball. And I think anytime you have a team like that, it's usually a pretty special team. And um, we really attest that – that's been a big part of the reason that we've seen some of the early success that we've had. I can't speak for, you know, the clubhouse up there in Worcester. Um, obviously I've met Chad Tracy and those guys, but still, you know, could be different with maybe an older crew. I'm not, not a hundred percent sure, but um, I think we have some really special cooking here in Portland. Who uh, is that the, you were kind of touching on the leadership. Is that just run by the players? So, um, they, I think they break it up into a few different affiliates. So ours is uh, Dan Abrams. He has, uh, I don't know if it's Greenville and Portland or Portland and Worcester. I'm not exactly sure, but he comes in, you know, every couple of weeks and we'll do different leadership 
uh, meetings and kind of start getting guys ready to, you know, be in those leadership spots, obviously, as people start to, you know, push up into AAA, into the big leagues, um, they want you to be already ready on that end versus, okay, let's get there and then try to build these guys up as leaders. So then once you hit the door, you're, you're already there ready to run from the ground. That's cool stuff. And I was also wondering if you could pick one baseball memory, whether it's from, you know, your college days or the minors, what would be the one that sticks out to you the most? Uh, ooh. I would probably have to say my high school team, my uh, senior year, we were number one on USA Today. That that was really cool. And we still, um, a large amount of that team, were, we're in a group chat together and still talk every day to this day. So... Yeah, I'm really close with those guys. Yeah, and we uh, we didn't go my senior year, but my junior year, we um, we went to this National uh, Athletic Christian Association tournament, and we obviously won out on that, and that was that was really cool. They actually didn't invite us back for my senior year because we won it so many years in a row that they said they wanted to give someone else a chance to win it. <laughs> what if that's the first time they've ever done that in that in that tournament? Yeah, I'm I'm honestly not sure, but I'm sure it hasn't been done too many times. <laughs> uh Chris, you got you got well I, I was just gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna steal yours off the uh questionnaire thing here because I just did your test, but I was gonna ask you um just about your, your training, you know what I mean? Like there was an article that was in Mass Live about your uh the like said that you were training on like an empty stomach stuff along like those lines uh over the off season i guess like um it's kind of like take us down like what it was like to train like why you were doing it that way and are you still training that way or is it just something you did during the off season yeah um i think it was something that i you know kind of wanted to experiment with um i saw a little bit about it and was curious about it so i did a little more research and it they said that uh training on an empty stomach can actually help promote um, muscle growth and help strengthen the mind. Obviously, you know, you're, you're hungry. So being able to control the mind and control those impulse thoughts, um, feel like, I feel like it helped me personally. I mean, I can't, can't speak for other people that have tried it, but, um, it was something cool and it's something I think I'll definitely take, you know, into, into other off seasons too. Um, I actually worked out down in, uh, Tampa at House of Athlete with yo murphy he he puts a really good program together um believe he started originally with football he was a football guy and then started to branch out to other sports but i mean he's a genius man he uh just watching you know his attention to detail and how he works with guys he's always going to try and pull the absolute best out of you and um me personally i want someone that's going to you know be able to have those tough conversations with me. Um, they know that I'm not giving my best or giving my all that day. I want them to, you know, pull me along. And because some days, you know, we're tired, you know, we don't want to get up, especially. Uh, so I was getting up at 6.30 every day to, to be in at seven to lift. And so, you know, obviously sometimes those early mornings come and you're like, ah, I really don't want to do this. But every day, you know, they were, they're very adamant about us, you know, working hard and giving our best. And uh, I think that's like, a keep going back. That's a big part of the reason I'm having some of the success that I've had early this year. So I wanted to ask you too, with uh, when it came to like the finish, 
Uh, we joke all the time because up in Worcester, they have like a crazy spread for the players. Yeah, whether it's pregame or postgame, it's actually impressive. Like just the amount of food uh, that they're given. What um, what's the food like with uh, with you guys? Do you guys get you know decent after the game, or what does that look like? I just want to kind of compare it to what Worcester gets. Yeah, um, we we eat pretty good, I'd say. We uh, we get a fair amount of um, rice and bean based stuff with you know obviously a protein chicken or steak. Uh, there's always going to be a few that miss, you know, some that aren't great, but, uh, I think they've done a really good job of keeping those to a minimum and, um, trying to think they'll, they'll mix in a sandwich every now and again. That's probably one of my least favorites is is the cold cuts. (laughs) Those are tough to get down sometimes. (laughs) I think one of the, uh, uh, I think it was like, I think it was after Drohan's first start. He, uh, was like loading up with like a bunch of like steak. And we were asking him, being like, oh, like, you don't get, like, meat like that down there? He goes, no, like, the spread up here is, like, just, like, crazy. So that's why I kind of, like, popped into my head to see, like, what kind of food you guys were getting down there, if it's the same, you know, from, like, top to bottom. As I mean, like, his his container, like, that thing was like, chock full. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's been times where, you know, I'll, I'll still be a little hungry. I have to pop, throw a little something else together. But I'd say for the most part, they're doing a good job, so. Yeah, I th- think to follow up on Chris's point, we were we were definitely walking out the doors, and I think it was one of the dates that uh, I think Whitlock had also he's making a rehab start, so he had bought them a bunch of Chinese food too one time. I mean, there was the Chinese was a bunch of stuff. Food. But uh, yeah, we were walking out with Drohan one day, and he was kind of like, uh, I think Chris asked me, like, "Oh, you guys eat well down there?" And he's like, "Nothing like this." So uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny, but. Um, so I, I got I got like one or two more uh, for me at least. Um, how has um, I've never gotten to be around or meet uh, Chad Epperson, but how is he like as a coach? Like I kind of see how uh, Chad Tracy is. How you know he used to be. Um, you know he was in the minors for a while. His dad obviously was uh, a manager as well in the MLB. So I kind of can see like you know I see Tracy like you know. Uh, helping Daniel Pauk at first base and try to get adjusted to first base. And he's like able to like kind of help with his side of things. Like how is Epperson and his, his coaching style? Yeah. Um, I, I think he's a great manager first and foremost. I'll say that. Um, I think he's one of those guys where if there's something in his reach or power that he can do to help you out in your career or life, I think that he wouldn't hesitate to, you know, reach out and do that. And, um, I think it's no secret that he definitely has our guys back. You know, he's he's not just going to, you know, let us get screwed over a bunch of times or anything. He'll uh he's he's also not the raw raw type, so he's not going to, you know, yell at anyone or or create bad vibes in the clubhouse. Um but he he really cares about our team and I think he also enjoys being around our team. Kind of back to what I was saying earlier about us having a group that enjoys, you know, playing for and playing for each other. Um uh, definitely a player's manager, I'll say, and uh, it's it's really fun to play behind. He he creates those relationships that aren't just you know baseball. He's you're able to talk to him about. I feel like pretty much anything, and uh, yeah, I think that's some of the qualities that create a good manager. And you, when you know a guy has your back, man, I mean that that goes a long way. So um, really fun to play for him. They were talking about um, they were talking about him on Nesson the other day when the Red Sox were playing 
LA because um, Cora was asking Otani for an autographed ball for CJ. And I was kind of thinking, I'm like, man, like, are you kind of thinking yourself? Be like, man, maybe I should get a, I uh, should have done something for Trout or somebody. Uh, <laughs> right. I was like, yeah. I saw yeah, it. Like, yeah, Epperson asked and he, uh, you know, Cord got him one. So that's awesome. Yeah, that's actually really cool. No, I think to well, piggyback on that, though, like, you know, because try to get, like, the perspective, because, like, we were saying, like, Chad's been, like, he's very welcoming. Like, winner, whether the team wins or loses, he's still the same, at least demeanor with us. I'm sure it's different with, like, you guys, when uh, obviously talking about, you know, wins and losses, but having someone like that that is approachable and being able to kind of separate the baseball side of it to the, to the side of it. Cause you guys are human beings as well. I think it's something that's important. I think looking around, like from our perspective, as we're looking at the coaches and even like some of the front office guys who are popping around between Worcester, um, you definitely can kind of see that the Red Sox, not only just value what you guys are doing on the field, but it is very important what you guys are doing off the field. And, you know, to your point of talking about like the leadership piece a little bit earlier, um, you know, we see that too down in Worcester. Like, I don't know specifically what they do when, it, you know, obviously that's something behind closed doors between you guys and stuff like that. But you can certainly see that the Red Sox have put a, a massive value into that. And I think that's important. I think it kind of speaks to what this organization is trying to embody and become. You know, we see the signs all over the like the clubhouse talking about, you know, the the mission and everything else. So it, it, it's, it's nice to see that it has trickled its way down in the system and, and that, you know, it's preparing you guys for every step that you're going to take along the way to basically to Fenway park. Absolutely, man. I kind of back to, you know, what I was saying, I think it's, uh, it'll be more beneficial for them to start to talk about those things, you know, kind of before we get to the big leagues. Um, you know, once you get to the big leagues, it's you're at the top, top level. So it's kind of a lot harder to, uh, learn some of those different other aspects other than, you know, getting big league time under your belt. And um, I think if those converse conversations are had, you know, as you're making your journey up, it's going to make you that much more ready once you once you do reach that level. So uh, I think they're doing a really good job of, you know, from the top down. I know that that's something that AC is very big on and um, they're doing a very good job of, you know, bringing that down to the minor leagues. And I think that's part of the reason that, you know, a lot of our minor league teams are having a lot of success. Andrew, you're still uh, muted there. Yeah, I've been having some uh, – <laughs> after I was asking the last question, it, like, froze. And so I'm, like, sitting there like, wow, I don't know if I just got booted out of here or what. But um, <laughs> sorry if it was, like, a little awkward pause at the end there. But, um, yeah, but we uh, – if in, uh, Jamie, you got any any last? Yeah, I got I got one more. You know, obviously getting to Worcester this season is priority for you. But what are some of your goals beyond that for the rest of this – you know, for the rest of the year just personally? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, it's very easy to, you know, try and get caught up in stats and try to chase stats. So I've, I've really been trying to stay away from that this year. But um, my goal is day in and day out to show up, um, to show up the same version of myself every single day. And, uh, you know, whether I'm playing good or bad at the time, if I can, you know, be my same self, and uh 
stick to my approach every day because honestly if i'm being honest with you i feel like the only time i get out is when i get myself out whether it's you know missing up missing my pitch early in account and in the at bat when it's supposed to end or uh you know swinging at a bad pitch whatever it is but usually that's what i feel like so if if i can you know show up the best version of myself every day i think that once we get to the end i'll i'll be in a good place and be happy so well like, like I, I, have, was, uh... I have a random one-off i want to ask a couple of like a one-off all right so um you know going through your instagram a little bit earlier uh before you know prepping with and stuff not a lot on there like outside of like baseball so like what are, what's some other sports that you're into like what are some of your teams like specifically we'll talk about basketball are, are you into the nba are you following along with what's going on right now yeah i i like nba basketball um if Honestly, uh, growing up, I was a baseball and basketball guy, so I, I really enjoy basketball. Um, I've been been seeing what's going on with the boys up there in Boston, so that's that's been pretty cool to see. And uh, I, I saw a meme telling them to channel their, what was it, the 2008 yeah, 2000, 2004. 2004, 2004 yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, I'll, I'll definitely be following along with that and uh rooting for those guys so that'll be be really cool if they pull it off but uh what about what would be yeah go ahead. your finals what would be your finals prediction now that we're on the basketball topic do you think they pull off the comeback it's three two right? I, I think they'll pull it off but the uh the nuggets man jokic is jokic is something serious and those nuggets are hot so I, I think it'll be a good series regardless of what happens. I, I hope to see the boys up there and there. But um, it's hard to predict, man. It's uh, playoff basketball, so you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. is like uh, you have, you know, this comeback. It's like no team's ever done it in the NBA, come back from 3-0. But it's like, all right, you do it. You make the comeback. But then you got the Nuggets that have been sitting there for well-rested. You have, the you know, Jokic, who's probably the best player in the league right now. So it's like... Like, oh, well, this sucks because, like, we got to, you know, we just had this whole, like, battle for seven games to come back. And then you got a, a really good Nuggets team, like you said. So, uh, yeah. And I, I think it's a two way street. I think it's a two way street, too, because they've been, you know, kind of rested up. They might come out a little sluggish, those opening games of the, uh, of the series and, um, could be easy to fall behind like that. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. It'd be good to see if the Celtics can pull it off and they continue that momentum. You know, just to, I'm not a big basketball guy. I root for the C's because it's, you know, local here and like with Boston and stuff. But yeah, all down 3 0 after, you know, I'm not trying to say from like a bias standpoint, but they clearly are the best team in the league. And it just, and now all of a sudden it's like they flip the switch. You take that momentum into the finals. That could be, uh, that, that could be pretty interesting. So, I mean, we'll see if uh, ends up being Heat and the Nuggets. I guess we'll have to go with the Nuggets because I can't stand the Heat. So it's <laughs> <laughs> not my team. But uh, uh, last one here though is uh, what's what's your football team? We were asking a bunch of the guys. This uh, there was surprising. He's a Commanders guy. Guys. Come on. Well, I am a Commanders guy. Well, because we asked David Hamilton, and David Hamilton's like, "Yeah, I don't do football." <laughs> so, and I was like, "He's like, I root for the players." So it's kind of interesting. So Commanders, are you relieved? that Snyder's out and there's going to be a new owner and it feels like there could be a brand new direction of uh, whatever. I mean, who knows if they're going to be called the commanders with this new thing that just came out. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I, I didn't have a problem with Dan Snyder. I, I think there was probably more he could be doing to, uh, you know, try and try and get back to those glory days, man. I mean, you look at some of those 80s and 90s Redskins teams. I mean, they were they were really good. And um, I think any any good sports organization usually starts from the top down. So um, I think it's a well-needed change. I think it'll be, you know, kind of a breath uh breath of fresh air for those guys and uh, hopefully they'll be able to turn it around and start getting back to those you know playoff days um i think we've had a had a couple of good teams throughout the years but just nobody to really put it all together so hopefully hopefully uh whoever does step into that next role will be able to do that i also uh i enjoy watching lamar jackson obviously i mean he's a he's a freaking Ooh, yeah. nature oh. yeah so I root for the Ravens too, but the Commanders are my team. Yeah, they were floating out all those. Uh, I think it was obviously they were floating out every rumor possible, and it's not in the off season. But Lamar, like you know, going to every other team, and I remember there was like a yeah. whole week where they're like, "Could he be on the Patriots? Could he?" I'm like, "Eek, you kidding me?" Only wish. I was. Dumb. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of gifts I saw of Bill walking out of the tunnel just tagged with Lamar. I think we're at least a hundred. That gif is the most overused gif. Like the one with Belichick, it's like every time there's a player, it's just like Belichick walking out. It's not what the team does anymore. That that was like during the you know the heyday with Brady and they're getting Moss and Corey Dillon and Welker and they're they're it's not what this team does anymore. I I don't know. You're gonna get me on a tangent. You're gonna guys get me going. (laughs) Well, Corey, uh we appreciate the time. We know you. Uh, we know you got a game today. Uh, you got to get to the stadium at some point, and um, definitely know your schedule is pretty busy. So we really appreciate uh, coming on. It's our second Sea Dog actually that we've had on. Uh, we had Brendan Salucci in the off season, which, by the way, I don't know if you're good friends with him or not, but he is one of the coolest dudes and. He actually has two podcasts himself, um, and he uploads letters by Lucci like every single day, which I still watch. So, um, yeah, man, he's uh, me and him actually pretty close, and he's he's awesome, man. Great guy to be around. Great guy to have in your corner. So, oh, he's he's great. He was good to us, and he's super. I don't know. He's just super thoughtful with everything he says, and um, can't say enough good things about Lucci. But but thank you for coming on. We we definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for bringing me on, guys. Thank you for checking out the latest episode of the Obstructed View Red Sox podcast brought to you by Beyond the Monster. Head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon. Hit that subscribe link, and when a brand new episode drops, you'll be notified. Also, check out beyondthemonster.substack.com for all of our latest articles and content that drops daily. 